Saul this month, we have been in the book of Acts looking at the stories of the Holy Spirit empowering and enlivening and inspiring the lives of the saints of the early church. We looked at the ascension of Jesus and the day of Pentecost. We've looked at a couple different discourses given by ordinary men. Last week we looked at the martyrdom of Stephen. And as we have been working through the book of Acts, and as we've been looking at this story, one thing has become crystal clear. That the book of Acts shows us that in the power of the Holy Spirit, people who are open to God can become like Jesus. In the power of the Holy Spirit, those who are open to God can become like Jesus. Andrea Hollingsworth says that in Luke and Acts, there's an emphasis on the ways that the Spirit anoints or rests upon the bodies and the voices, transforming them into mediators of the divine presence. When we are open to God, when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we become participants in the Trinitarian life of God. We become participants in the gospel mission to the world, bringing all of creation back into right relationship with the Father. Uh, today we begin looking at Acts chapter 8. And Acts chapter 8 is all about one of those early disciples, a man named Philip who, along with Stephen, who we talked about last week, was one of the seven, so not the original twelve apostles, but the next seven, this group of um, Hellenistic Jews, uh, Hellenistic just being a fancy word for Greek, so uh, Greek Jews living in Jerusalem um, who were major players in the expansion of uh, Christianity into uh, non-Jewish peoples. So Philip, uh, like Stephen, one of the seven, experiences the power of the Holy Spirit and becomes like Jesus. So when we talk about what it is to become like Jesus, um, there are a couple different places we can go to. Uh, and one of the, the areas that we are um, really sensitive to is what Jesus says about his own ministry at the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4. So this is right after Jesus has finished his time in the wilderness being tempted by the evil one. Uh, he's returned home to Nazareth. He is in the synagogue on a Saturday afternoon like a, a good Jewish man would be. Um, and we pick up in verse 14 that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, 
to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He then said to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. For Luke, and Jesus as described in the book of Luke, the ministry of preaching the good news of the kingdom is a spirit-empowered and a spirit-filled endeavor. It is the spirit that falls on Jesus so that he can proclaim the good news to the poor, so so that he can release the captives, so that he can set them free. And the same theme is picked up in Acts chapter 8 with Philip. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4, we read that those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went, and Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip, they saw the signs he performed, and they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. For Philip, the preaching of the good news of the kingdom, the sharing of what it is that Jesus has come into the world, has freed us from slavery to sin and death, it is something that he can only do empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is true for us, too. The, the, the power to uh, proclaim the good news of Jesus is something that we cannot do in our own strength. Now, I've, if I had a nickel for every time I heard someone who grew up in the church and trusted Jesus say, you know, I just don't feel comfortable talking to people about faith things. I'd have a lot of nickels. Because we've, we've built this up as this sort of um, you know, pinnacle of what it is to be pious and good and to have your life figured out. But when we look at the lives of the disciples in the early church, sharing the good news of Jesus was essential to what it looked like to be a follower of Jesus. It wasn't something that was reserved for those who'd gone to seminary or who had been through the disciple Bible studies uh, or who had been in the, um, the Cornerstone Sunday School class, right? Like the, the sharing of the good news of Jesus was essential to the practice of Christianity for the early church. And I think part of where the disconnect is, is that somewhere along the line, we stopped believing that proclaiming the good news of Jesus, that that telling the truth about the coming kingdom, we stopped believing that we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we started believing we do it in the power of our own preparation. Well, I I don't want to say something wrong 
when I'm telling people about Jesus because, you know, that would be bad. Or, you know, well, I, I just, I, I don't know enough about the Bible to, to share uh, what Jesus has done in my life because someone might ask a question that I don't know. Has anyone been there? A few of you. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we're tracking. But when we look at the early church, when we look at the book of Acts, when we look at the apostles and those first disciples, I mean, these are, these are not super well-trained people here. They're fishermen. They're tax collectors. They're sellers of purple cloth. They're tent makers. But they believe that when the time comes to share about the good news of Jesus, that they will be inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. So for us, it's, it's not about our own preparation. And it's not even about doing it out of a sense of obligation. Uh, Clark Pinnock writes that in our mission, we're not motivated out of the fear of hell. Rather, God sends us forth to proclaim the coming of his kingdom in the power of the Holy Spirit to make disciples for the reign of God. We do not, or we go not because of a mere commandment or because of fear, but because we have been caught up in the mission of God by the Spirit who makes us witnesses and enables us to speak. We go because we too have been caught up in the mission of God. And the Spirit has enabled us to speak what is true. And I know some of you have experienced this. Um, for many of you, you're in a discipleship group uh, for the first time. We started them up back in May. Um, and I, my very favorite thing about being in a discipleship group is hearing someone say, uh, this week I prayed for someone and that's really out of character for me. I, I, would, I don't do that sort of thing. Uh, uh, but this week I did. That's so exciting! Like, this, is, this is us giving just a little portion of our lives to God. Trusting Jesus just a little bit more. And what do we discover? We discover that Jesus is trustworthy, that God is faithful, that when we are open to God, that the Holy Spirit will make us like Jesus, that when we are open to God and open to the mission of the kingdom, then things that are out of character for us become the greatest moment of our week where we get to share a, a, a moment of hope and a moment of healing and a moment of grace with someone else. Where empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can tell someone the tr what is true about Jesus and what is true about the kingdom. We can tap into a power source that is greater than our own. Leron Schultz says that the disciples, having seen and heard the truth of the gospel, they are compelled 
and empowered by the Spirit to spread the good news. And, and this is the same thing we see happening in the Gospels. When we experience God's love and we let it change us, we can't keep it to ourselves. We see, especially in the Gospel of Mark, that when Jesus heals someone, oftentimes the next thing he says is, don't tell anybody. Keep it to yourself. But invariably, it gets leaky. People find out. Because when you experience the power and the presence of God, there is no way to keep it to yourself. There's no way to just pretend like it didn't happen. So you start doing things that are out of character. You pray for the co-worker whose child is sick. You, um, you tell someone that God loves them when they're depressed and disappointed. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to proclaim the truth of the gospel when we are open to God and we are willing to receive the gift. So the question becomes, how do we become open to God? Because, you know, if judging by the, the nods and the sheepish raising of hands from a few minutes ago, like a lot of us experience this anxiety around sharing our faith. Uh, we experience this anxiety around having spiritual conversations with people. So the question becomes, how do we... I love that. That is a beautiful sound. Where were we? Okay, so yes. So, so how do we uh, choose to be open to God so that that anxiety we fear around not having all the answers, around somehow doing it wrong, can melt away and we can experience the goodness of God? I think a big part of it is... is um, taking a risk. You know, even if it's a small one. You know, we, we talk about sometimes here running faith experiments. You know, what would it look like to this morning um, commit to the next time um, someone starts unloading their baggage on us? What would it look like to committing to, to in that moment saying, I don't have all the answers to the problems that you are talking about, but I know a God who does. Let's pray together. Do we have the courage to give that, that to, to, to premeditate being Christian in the life of someone else? Do we have the courage to plan that? Because, I mean, I... 
We all know people who like to complain about their lives. Right? We all know people who, who, are, who know us to be soft-hearted, compassionate people, and when we're around them, they give us the whole six-month history of everything that's gone wrong. Do we have the courage to pray for those folks in the moment? To say, I know the source of healing and satisfaction and peace for the entire universe. Let's go to Him. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to proclaim the truth of the gospel when we are open to God and we're ready to receive that gift. You even going back to John chapter 14. We receive as much of the Holy Spirit as we want to. Sometimes we can get into this pattern of wanting our lives to be comfortable and normal by society standards. So even though the Holy Spirit is more than willing to give us the power to share the good news of Jesus, we don't want it. Because we're afraid that, you know, our neighbor may think we're weird. May think we're one of those religious nuts. Do we trust that God is going to be present with us? Present with us? Because, yeah, I mean, the, the reality is, if we're doing it in our own power, there's a good chance that our neighbors will think we're religious nuts. But if we trust that, that the Holy Spirit is there with us and has paved the path before us, and is with us every step of the way, that's kind of an irrational fear. And I don't think we should forget where it is that Philip is preaching. Um, he's in Samaria. And what do we know about Samaritans? They are no good, dirty dogs. Like, they were the original people from up north. <laughs> but Jesus goes and he paves the way into Samaria. He had to go through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. And as the gospel explodes out of Jerusalem, it has to go back through Samaria to get to the world. And as Philip and the seven and many of the disciples in Jerusalem were scattered by the persecution of Saul, Philip finds himself in Samaria. And he preaches the good news of Jesus. And the villages come to receive that good news. And then the apostles come and pour out the Holy Spirit. And as I read this, the question 
returns, where is my Samaria? Where do I not quite feel comfortable? Who are the people who I sort of look down upon? And do I live a gospel life around them, or do I believe the lies of the culture that I truly am superior to them? Do I live a gospel-shaped life in front of the people who I don't like? Do I show them kindness and compassion? Do I go out of my way to share my life with them? Or am I more than happy saying, well, they're over there. Thank God I'm not like them. Because the Holy Spirit gives us the power to proclaim the truth of the gospel when we are open to God and we're ready to receive the gift. In the power of the Holy Spirit, anyone who is open to God can become like Jesus and do the stuff that Jesus does. It's not something that we figure out after we've been going to Sunday school for a decade. It's not something that... um, that you have to have some sort of advanced degree in Bible to do. If we are open to God, we will do things that are outside of our character. So that the kingdom is proclaimed in our own Samarias. So today... Make that commitment. Like, write it on your hearts. The next time someone goes through the litany of everything that's wrong in their lives, I will commit to pray with them in that moment. The next time I see someone who I don't like, I'm going to choose to be kind and take an interest in their life. The next time I fear that I feel that fear and anxiety well up when the opportunity comes to talk about Jesus, I'm going to believe the truth that if I'm open to God, the Holy Spirit is with me. And I can share the good news. I can proclaim the gospel. That Jesus came, lived a sinless life, was killed, buried, came again, has ascended to be with the Father, and that we can trust that the 78.2 years that we live on this planet in this linear timeline isn't all of it. That we are built for eternity. That we are built to experience the life with God in this life and in the next. So may we be open to the power of the Holy Spirit so that we too can be like Jesus. So that we too can proclaim 
the good news of the coming kingdom. Let's pray together. Most holy and gracious God, we thank you that you have invited us into your gospel mission. Lord, we thank you that you enliven and inspire and empower and equip us to live holy lives. Lord, where we experience fear and anxiety, we pray for your perfect peace, that we would trust you completely. Because our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, they need to know your peace. They need to know your love, your satisfaction. Lord, help us to be open to being an instrument of your peace and of your love and of your salvation. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.